Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Today's message is Walking Together in Christ. Now, here's Pastor Chris. Good morning, everybody. How are you all? I missed you. It's good to see you all. So I want to give you a little bit of a progress support before I get in. I've been fortunate enough to be able to meet with uh, almost all of our small groups. I'm trying to do so now that I've gotten here so I can learn how uh, to be better equipped for small groups. And it's been a joy and an honor to be able to get to go to people's homes and uh, even here at church. So when I first got here as well, I also indicated that I'd like to be able uh, to meet with you all, um, either on an individual or family basis, and simply just is to get to know you. want to know who you are, how long you've been attending this church, and I just had uh, a couple questions. Number one, um, why do you love this church, and uh, what do you want to see in this church, and then what can I pray uh, for? So, very simple, three things, all right? I'm not going to judge you on uh, the 28 fundamental beliefs or the, the uh, 1844 and all of that. I just simply want to get to know my church family. So, does that sound good? Okay, so, uh, this last week, uh, I asked Bill to email you all a sign-up sheet. It's online at Sign Up Genius. Okay, if you did not get that, let me know. I will make sure you get it. Uh, I only have dates for this following week. I'm going to add more. So if you only see it for next week, don't don't uh, don't crumble. I will be adding more dates. I don't plan to do this all uh, in a month. It's going to probably take me a couple of months. So uh, as I add more dates, please feel free to sign up. Um, most of them right now are during the day, but I'm looking to schedule so I can open my evenings so I can meet with those of you who work during the day. And we just, I want to get to know my church family. Is that okay? All right. So, um, I've taken that step. So go to Sign Up Genius or the email that Bill sent, the weekly email on Wednesdays. Go and sign up, and uh, I look forward to getting to know my church family. All right. Okay, let's pray. Father in heaven, as we now begin uh, our, uh, our final sermon on uh, Romans, Lord, uh, be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. There once was a flock of doves. And within this flock of doves was the king dove. And wherever they went, they listened and followed, and they went about as doves went, flying and eating food. And one day, they took a journey. It was a long journey. And they were tired. One of the doves who'd been sent ahead to try to find food came back and said, there is some food, birdseed, under a tree. And all of the doves flew down and landed and began to eat. They were tired. They were hungry. They just wanted to rest and get filled with food. And as they were enjoying their nutritious and sumptuous dinner, all of a sudden, a net came crashing and falling down on all of the doves. And as the doves realized their predicament, panic ensued. 
their hearts started beating. They screeched in horror. And all of a sudden, they tried to fly away. Here and there, boom, 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 all over the net. The doves were trying to get out of the net. But to no avail. Nothing could be done. Until finally, the king dove said, Everybody, settle down. And as he settled down, he saw the hunter who'd thrown the net on top of them. He said, if we work together as one, we will be able to get away. So listen, on the count of three, we're going to flap our wings all at the same time. One, two, three. And they started to flap and flap and flap. And all of a sudden, as one, they were able to lift the net up, much to the shock and surprise and horror of the hunter who realized his doves were going away. And they flew and they flew together as one until there was a hill that the king dove knew where a mouse lived. And when they got closer and closer to the hill, the mouse could hear this huge flapping sound and he became scared. He ran into his little mouse house and waited. The flapping got louder and louder and louder until boom, right outside his house. He got the courage to peek outside and he could see all of the doves. He could see the net on top of the doves and he could see the king dove, his friend. The king dove called out to his friend. He said, please, please come help us. And so the mouse who was able to chew very well, started to chew on the net. And he said, I'm going to free you first, King Dove. And he said, no, let everyone else go before me. And so the, king, the mouse moved and he started to chew on the net until finally, one by one, the doves escaped. And at last, the King Dove was finally free and all of the doves were happy and free. Working together, united, they were able to escape the net. Such an awesome story of how when we are together and working as one with one purpose and one goal, amazing things can happen. Amen? This was not the case in the church of Rome. We find ourselves in chapter 14 and 15, where after many chapters, the first 13 chapters are building up to this point where Paul lands the knockout punch. And so we find ourselves, Paul um, is talking about how uh, he addresses the, uh, the, the conflict of There are some who were weak in faith, and yet there are some who are strong. To kind of give it a big uh, overview of what's happening, we find that a couple points is we find that God in this in this in this um, these uh, two chapters, God is helping them. Paul is trying to help them understand that look, 
We are a church. It should have, we shouldn't be judging or offending one another. And the fact of the matter is, those who are strong, they have to accept the weak and vice versa. And as well, in chapter uh, verses 2 through 4, the believers have no right to judge the actions of conscience of other believers because they are accepted by God. Paul then goes on to say, look, we should have conviction. We should live by the convictions we believe in. And he also reminds them that above all, Christ is Lord. So Paul continues to admonish them, don't judge one another and don't be a stumbling block to one another. We're supposed to walk in love. And yet as well, peace and exhortation are more important than food. So it's in this this, uh, construct that Paul finally addresses the big issue or one of the big issues that is in Rome. As we are reminded of uh, early on in the first couple chapters, Paul addresses the Gentile Christians in chapter 1. And then in chapter 2, he addresses the Jewish Christians. And in this, uh, in this conflict, they're arguing over, is it, is, is it okay to eat uh, only just vegetables or to eat whatever they were eating? And there was also uh, an argument over uh, important days. Should we, should we hold to one day? Do we judge one day better than the others? Now, immediately when we say one day, what do we automatically think of? We think of the Sabbath, right? So is Paul advocating, or should we throw Sabbaths out and we can worship on on Sundays? Are are Tuesdays more important? Are Thursdays? Quite the contrary, he's not even talking about Sabbath. He's talking about the days as far as uh, when they should fast. So is Sunday a better day to fast? Or maybe it's Wednesday, or maybe it's Monday. And here he's saying, look, okay, At the end of the day, we have to be united. We have to work as one. So one of the, oops, one of the first points that Paul addresses is this, okay? We are accepted by God through grace. Therefore, we should also accept one another. In verses 3 and 4, it talks about the one who eats everything must not treat Though must not treat with contempt those, the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. For God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? Who are you to judge, uh, sorry, to their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. So Paul is calling for them to not only accept one another, but also to respect one another. Okay. And yet, Paul, here's the thing. When we think of, uh, of groups, we think we all have to be the same, right? But yet, Paul says we should live a life of conviction. Now, what's the difference between conviction and a preference. Uh, I read this recently. A preference is a very strong belief held with great strength. Okay, you can hold on to it. 
firmly. You can even devote your whole life in a full-time way to the service of this preference. You can give everything, all of your money and all of your goods to this preference. And you can actually probably go out and talk about, proselytize this preference. You may be even able to teach this preference to your children. The Supreme Court may still rule it as a preference. Okay? A preference is something that's a strong belief. But a preference is something, a belief that can change under the right circumstances. Circumstances such as peer pressure. If your beliefs are such that other people stand with you before you will stand, your beliefs are preferences. Maybe if you have family pressure, you may buckle under that. Perhaps if you get a lawsuit, you may want to reconsider your preference, right? If you're threatened with jail, you might want to reconsider your preference. If you've been given a death threat, you might want to reconsider your preference, right? But a conviction is that which you will not change. You can't have preferences. But conviction is something that will stand true. It's who you are, and it will bleed out of you. It's not just something internal, but that that is external as well. Conviction is not something that you discover. It's something, it's your purpose in your heart. When we look to the scriptures, I think of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys did not live by their preferences. They lived by their conviction. Right? Because when they, when they got taken home and they went to Babylon and they were given anything that they basically wanted to eat, they chose instead to have a raw diet of vegetables and water. Right? And after a certain amount of time, much to, much to the apprehension of the people who oversaw them, they were smarter, they were more handsome, they were stronger than all the other guys who had been uh, given the diet of basically eating whatever they wanted to eat, right? They lived by their conviction. And later in life as well, we find Daniel, who got thrown into a lion's den. He would not change. He continued to pray. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they lived by their conviction, so much so that the story is such that they were thrown into what? A fiery Furnace, sorry. Furnace. Uh, Pastor Chris needs to remember me to read his Bible. <laughs> and so they lived by conviction. Now Paul says, hey, live by conviction. It's good. You need to have convictions. You need to live by something that you believe in. But Paul as well, he says, you have your convictions... But you also should have freedom to believe in your convictions. One thing, uh, sorry, one other thing as well. Standards are important. But Paul also reminds us as well that righteousness, peace, and joy are the higher calling. So even though we have standards and we have convictions, we should also have love, respect, and empathy for one another. We may not all believe in the same thing, okay? 
but we can still be a family. Now, those of you who have brothers and sisters, do you all believe in the same thing as your brothers and sisters? No. Okay? You probably don't even believe in the same thing that your parents believe in, right? But you're a family, right? You can't get rid of your family, right? Well, you can stop talking to them. But you can't deny that they are your blood, right? doesn't mean that we have to shun or ignore them. Okay, We can still love them even though we may have different convictions. And so Paul is saying, hey, you can have your convictions, but you are still a body of Christ. You are still brothers in Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ. So Paul doesn't advocate for uniformity. In fact, he says, in verse uh, verse 5, he says, One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Okay, for a dictator, this doesn't sound good, right? For uh, what's, the, what's the type of leader that uh, has a, rules with an iron fist? Um, oh, not a tyrant. It uh, starts with an A. A what? Autocrat. Autocrat. Thank you. Okay? Autocrats would not do well here. All right? But when we look to Jesus, who did he hang out with? He hanged out with tax collectors. He hung out with sinners. He hung out with Pharisees. He hung out with children. He hung out and talked to women. All right? And all of these people Christ embraced. And together, the disciples, different guys, some were fishermen, some were, some were educated, and some were not. But yet, the core bulk of these guys went on to grow the church and did amazing things for God. And so much so that even when you look through the stories of the disciples. Did they always get along and think the same? No, they didn't. In fact, some of them thought, hey, I'm going to try to get a leg up on all these guys and we'll ask our mom or we'll even go to Jesus and say, hey, can we sit on your right and on your left? Now, how did everybody else feel about that? Mmm. Mmm. God calls us to be as one family. The next thing is, to judge one another is to commandeer God's authority. God alone is judge. It's not our, in our job description as brothers and sisters to judge one another. In fact, in uh, I think it's verse 4, it says, Who are you to judge if someone else's servant? To their own master's servant stand or fall. They will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. In verse 10, it says, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your own eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. So even with our own brothers and sisters, okay, If I'm doing something that's a stumbling block to somebody, I really need to reconsider my actions and how I uh, hang around them, right? So, for instance, 
I love ice cream. Okay? And somebody may be morally offended by ice cream. I've never met that person. Okay? Heaven forbid, I hope I never meet that person. Okay? But I love ice cream. Thrifty's uh, mint and chip and Rocky Road is the greatest combination ever in the history of mankind. Okay? The other one that comes close uh, is McConnell's strawberry ice cream. Star- no, chocolate dipped. Strawberry chocolate dipped ice cream. Oh, so good. It's made in Santa Barbara. If you ever get a chance, try it, okay? I love ice cream. But if I'm with my brother or my sister who is vehemently opposed to ice cream, I'm not going to say, let's go to Baskin Robbins, right? I'm not going to stick a big ice cream sundae in front of us and not order a sorbet. That's mean, right? Would I want to do that? No, I would want to get them a sorbet. Okay? So, how we, but the other thing too is as well, in, the, in, these, in these types of situations, we also have to have conversations. And the hardest thing is we never say anything because we don't want to offend anybody. But if we don't have those crucial conversations, how can we learn and grow or even learn about one another? So, Take the judgment. It's not in our job description. doesn't mean that we can't ask questions as a brother or sister who's concerned. But we don't just go up and say, your tie looks horrible, or Pastor Chris, your hair. All right, whatever it may be, okay? We can always, when we build trust, and when we know we are loved, we're much more liable to have an opening heart, to talk to somebody. But if I just go up to somebody here in this congregation, okay, I'm still new, and I go up and I say, hey, uh, your, t- your tie is not tied right, okay? <laughs> is that offensive? Absolutely. I would never say anything like that anyways. But I don't know this person. So how can I tell? When we know you're not able to have those crucial conversations until they know you love them and truly care about them. So... Let's let the judgment leave it to God. And yet, also, Paul also points out that Christian action is it's rooted in faith. It's not about what I want to do. The things that we do are because God has touched us in our hearts. The Holy Spirit has convicted in us to go out, to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. We're rooted in Christ and our change is rooted in Christ. Christ is the one who changes us and convicts us to go forth. And when we think about ourselves and we think, I am going to do this, I am going to help this person. And sometimes when I want to help somebody, I'm not doing it in love. Have mercy. So we have to do it in love. We have to go with Christ first. Imagine now, well, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to make this political, but imagine if our politicians could work together and not be bridge locked. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. Okay? If we could work together 
Now, Paul talks about the weak and the strong. The weak and strong are two groups in this, in this church, okay? They are convicted by their principles. But we have to walk together. We are united. Now, uh, can I have Travis? Travis, come on up. Where are you? I asked Travis to come out and help me with a sermon illustration. Okay, go ahead. What is this? Chopstick. All right, can you uh, take it out? All right, can you take them apart? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Now, can you take one of those chopsticks? Do you think you could break them? Yes. Okay, go ahead. All right. Very good. Now, do you think you could do the same thing with that? Break them? No, no, no. Together, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. no. Together like this. Oh. There you go. Go ahead. Okay. Good. Now... Can you break that? Come on. No way. No way. <laughs> Believe me, I couldn't even do it. All right, everybody give Travis a hand. All right. <laughs> now, going back to the doves, okay? These are all simply... One by one. I don't know how many chopsticks are in here, okay? Two is better. You could see that he had to struggle a little bit with two, right? But when you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, roughly fifteen to twenty pairs of chopsticks, right? It's not impossible. <laughs> but really difficult. Uh, if I were Brian Shaw, the, one of the world's strongest men in the world, maybe he might be able to do it, right? Four-time world's strongest man. Good dude. When we work together as one body, Jesus knew each disciple, each person, had a uniqueness about them in the ministry. They all had gifts. They all had talents. They had experiences. They had different knowledge. They had different insights. All together worked to share the good news of the gospel. May we, as Downey Church, with our collective body, the weak and the strong, may we work together And go forth with our different experiences, our different insights. Go forth and share the good news. May we work together as a team and share the good news. As we continue on, we'll find as well that in chapters 15, 16, Paul talks about his plans and his greetings to close out the book of Romans. Take time. Continue and and go forth and reread these these vital verses. When you look at a whole, ultimately, chapters 1 through 13 are building up to this point of how Paul wants to address the elephant in the room, of a situation where the church was at odds with one another. 
They weren't loving one another. In fact, they were judging and they were not moving forward. And when we get to that point, it's almost like a truck that's been stuck in mud. You could have the most powerful uh, F-350. It could have four-wheel drive. But if it's in mud and it's thick mud, you're not going to go anywhere. It's not until we work as a collective body, being respectful, living by faith through Christ and not of ourselves, that we can work together. And with our collective difference, uh, our, our, our collective knowledge, where some may have insights into a particular situation and others may have insights to another, we can work together as one. I look forward in journeying with this, uh, with this, this premise that collectively, together, God is going to do amazing things in Downey, California. So let us go with purpose. Father in heaven, please be with us. Help us in all that we do. God, as we have read through uh, and looked at Romans 14 and 15, Lord, may we be challenged and learn to love well. But also, God, as well, help us to understand our differences. And that, Lord, we will work together as one. And though we have different uh, growing up experiences and and, uh, ideas, Lord, all of that is good. Because two is better than one. A hundred is better than one. Five hundred is better than one. And above all, Lord, may you lead and be the center of all that we do. May we faithfully follow your mission and vision for this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.